Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 260. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? 260, it's a milestone. We are uh, 40 away from hitting the big three. We keep cranking these things out, baby. You can't stop you know, us. We keep we cranking we them out. Big, we said we were going to do a big party for 100. We said we were going to do a big party for 200. I don't think we really did. We get 300. We got to start planning now because that shit's going to come up pretty I think quick. we're going to have to do it in Sparta if we get to 300, right? I think we may. Anybody? we may. Come on. That's right. This, this is, is Sparta. Sparta. Yeah. Can we ski in Sparta? Who could stop us? I don't know. Who can stop us? Is there skiing in Greece? There actually is. Yeah, dude. I think the Egans went there a bunch of years ago. There's one of the Warren Miller movies they were skiing in Greece. I think we might have to do that. Yeah, they've definitely... Isn't the Mount Olympus? Can't you ski where the gods are? That would be great. Ski on a cloud? Right. Skiing with Skiing Zeus and Apollo? Okay, ski... Does Poseidon ski? I don't know. Greek Water ski resorts. Best ski resorts in Greece. Mount... Pamasos. Stunning. Pamasos. There was definitely one Warren Miller or TGR movie recently where they went to like some remote place in Greece. Parnassos. Mount Parnassos. Falacro. Bastilista. Viglia. I have no idea where any of these places Did you are. expect to learn about skiing in Greece when you started listening to this episode? Of course you didn't. That is the beauty of our podcast. You never know what you're going to get. They're skiing everywhere. That could be part of the Indie Pass. <laughs> Speaking of the Indie Pass, we are going to talk about the new film that came out just this past week, In Pursuit of Soul. It is made by our pals at the Indie Pass and TGR. It's a great movie. It's a short film, half an hour. Very Absolutely cool. phenomenal. We'll talk about it more later. It's easy you watch. So much. You got to watch it. Yeah, it's it's a fun watch. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. We're on your favorite socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, untapped at skibumpodcast. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. We have a shop on our website skibumpodcast.com slash shop. You want some cool swag, hats, shirts, sweatshirts, cool whatever. Stuff. Look, boom. He's got a hat. Brian's got the nice stitched hat. Yeah. This hat actually is not on the site yet. I've got, I have a few more. The shirt is, we got some cool boom. stuff. But I get some more stuff. Dude, we got well. some Yeezys. Look at this. Half and ski bum Yeezys. Oh, those are so dope. I freaking <laughs> love them. I got to put the logo on it. Like, boop, right on there. Oh, there you go. Put a nice, one of the those um right on the toe one of these stickers the like hologrammy ones dude i'm gonna put highfalutin ski bums like and then the hologram sticker on the hologram oh and if you guys want stickers it's almost time to get your helmets your ski boxes your car splatter with stickers hit us up ski bum podcast at gmail.com or dm us on instagram we'll get you some stickers hashtag sticker splatter Stick that? me. I don't know. We got we need a better hashtag for that, but <laughs> thank you so much for checking us out. And a big shout out and thank you to our sponsors, Paradise Skis. They make seriously fun skis. They're all about making skiing as fun as possible, whether that's shredding laps in Hawaiian shirts, bringing the parking lot apres, or getting up early for that huge backcountry objective. It's our mission to build skis and snowboards that allow our customers to enjoy every single day in the mountains. Go to their websites, paradiseskis.com. Check out their dope skis. They got the red resort skis, 
blue, backcountry, green, splitboard. Use the code SKIBUM15. You get 15% off. We're going to be talking to those guys, Adam and Cam, in the near future. I'm also going to do my review on these skis. Once Brian has snow. Them over his left shoulder, which is your right. Yeah. Right there. Say I'm pointing to them. I'm pointing to them. They're just sitting there, just the laughing, mocking me. Yes, I can't wait to check them out. Stupid big snow. If it hadn't caught on fire, I would have already gone ah, there. But Fire snow. It's New Jersey. Snow. Of course, things are going to catch fire. It's just what happens here. Big snow was in Fuego. They're on fire. Yep. So thank you, Paradise Skis. We do appreciate it. Mario, let's kick us off. Where we always do. It's time for our prey today. I mean, I already wrote down my first idea tonight. Indie World Pass. Indie World Pass. Japan. Greece. Greece. Norway. Where else? Norway. Yeah. Iraq. We got Dude, Iran. Iran. Iran is supposed to have legit skiing. As much as it probably not Iraq. Iran. Would be not welcoming <laughs> to Westerners. Tehran has like five pretty good ski resorts, like right around it. Yeah, they got the there was, mountains, man. They there was some convert. some documentary was done a couple of years ago. I feel like it was Warren Europeans. Dan Egan went there. I don't think he went to Iran. I thought he, he went did. to Beirut. Which oh, Kazakhstan. They went. They went to. I could look at book. Kazakhstan, believe it or not, one of the top four Bitcoin mining countries right now. Mining a lot of the scheme. miners that left China went to Kazakhstan. So I think, Borat. They, I think Borat got them so mad that they're like, you know what? Fuck that guy. We're going to become awesome. Dude, you put him on a map. How do you think people knew about it? They're like, Dude, let's go mine Bitcoin there. Hey, wasn't that that one international ski group? Isn't that what they're having their meeting this year? Yeah. Wasn't it Kazakhstan? They are going to have it. Um, which I got to back to them. I'm very bad at getting back to people. We actually just found an email from September from our buddy. Oh, Brace Layer. Yes. From Brace Layer. I'm like, damn it. But I actually tried calling him during COVID and I didn't get a response back. So there must have been stuff going on. We definitely got to oh, catch sure. up. Sure. Yeah. But, um, well, Dan was in Romania, Turkey, Slovenia, Lebanon. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Kazakhstan in December. So we got to figure out, Brian, if we can go. We've been invited. I am. I'm. I could say right now with full volition, I am not making it to Kazakhstan in December. I could say right now because of planning and like the fact that I haven't been able to ski Europe in two years. There's no way I'm going to Kazakhstan, dude. We were looking at. Remember looking at flights like how to get there, and we're like, ooh, not very easy. Probably to fly to Dubai, which would be again not the worst thing in the world. I got a feeling there's a there. There would be a, a flight leg on that trip. Sitting next to a bunch of chickens on a plane that doesn't, that looks like something from like World War II. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just got to think like it, it can't be easy. But that mountain where the meeting is taking place looks freaking Pretty awesome nice. though. Yeah. yeah. Little do I know. See, that's just my little peanut mind going. I, I don't know. It could be like luxury Polaris right from, from Tampa to Kazakhstan. I don't know. Direct. <laughs> Direct flight. Private jet. <laughs> Direct Tampa flight. Tampa to Kazakhstan. <laughs> Boom. You just got to get onto this group that's on <laughs> on this blog. and It's like, hey, what are all those those bricks in the back? It's like, don't ask questions. Just face forward and have good time. That's right. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's just hang out here. So, Mario, what do you got for Operate Today? So, Operate Today, I made a cocktail, which uh, 
Oh, boy. So I got a pineapple at the grocery store this last week, and it sat there for a few days, and I was like, I got to cut it. And I love pineapple. I hit a bu- ate a whole bunch of it, and I'm like, you know, I don't think, you know, you look at the pile. It's like cutting a watermelon. You look at the pile of watermelon or pile, pile pineapple that I had, and I was like, I don't think I consume that consume that much pineapple. So like, what am I going to do with the rest? So I preemptively attacked it rather than letting it spoil, and I decided to put it in this lovely container with a whole bunch of vodka. Now, there's no more vodka in there because this is it. I've drained it out. So I figured uh, you could try to eat the fruit. I've done it before, and the fruit actually has no taste. It's really weird. Yeah, the vodka like steals its soul pretty much, right? It steals it, and I don't think the alcohol, like people have this misconception that like if it soaks that, this, I mean, it soaked at least, I think after three days is when it's really good. Like three to five days is like the sweet spot, and this is like day six or so. Mm. So um, the alcohol is not in the fruit. Like you could eat it, but it just tastes like cardboard. It's really weird. There's like no flavor to it. All the flavor is in the delicious vodka that comes out after. And this is not a whole cup of vodka. I was like, wow, that's a healthy pour, my friend. <laughs> no, I did put the ice cubes melted already, but I did use um, this vodka and club soda. And it has like a little tint to it, a little uh, little yellow tint from the from the fruit. But nice. Tastes delicious. Look at you. Yeah, I remember back in the day you doing that and <sighs> trying it. I, again, I remember trying the pineapple and be like, yeah, there's there's nothing left in this. Like, again, it's like it's whole. That's right. You tried that one. Soul has been taken from the pineapple. It's crazy. So little known fact, this is what they do at, if anybody knows the Capitol grill, which is everywhere, very fancy, nice steakhouse. This is what they do to make the Stoli Doli. So they use Stoli vodka and they soak that and then they shake it and they pour it as a martini and that's it. So there's no club soda. It's just, that's all it is. So if you go there, they used to have it at least. And that's what it was. It's just an infusion. I've been to several bars where they'll do their own infusions. And if you ever at a bar and you see a jar of some white liquid with some fruit or something in it, ask about it. Because a lot of times you're like, oh yeah, that's, you know, you could have a shot of it or you could have it like as like an after dinner drink. They're really great. Sometimes like they'll put, you know, raisins, apples, like, you know, different things, sometimes peppers. It's really easy to infuse vodka with anything. You just basically take it and clean it and soak it in vodka. And that's it. Like it's really, but they do recommend like after certain fruit, like, so this will start breaking apart. So I wouldn't let the fruit sit more than like a week or five days in it. And then if you still want the vodka, pour it into another you know, strain it, pour it into another container and remove it from the fruit because it has everything sucked out of fruit already. So look at that. There you go. Yeah. So it, it's sat, it looks hillbilly-ish, but when when you tell people, well, this is the same thing that the Capitol Grill does for the Stoli Doli or like, the oh. Russian tea room used to do for the vodka infusions. Like it's the same exact thing. Look at that. Just throw some stuff in there. Fancy. Fancy. I like it. <laughs> How about you, Bri? It's not quite, I, I still can't get into pumpkin quite yet. I mean, we're already, it's almost the end of October. It's just I only drank too warm. one pumpkin beer this year. It's been too warm. I can't too. get into pumpkin oh. quite yet. Hmm. So I decided to reach 
into the fridge and see what was floating around in there. And I still had... I, no, not four loco, not quite yet. <laughs> Damn it! I want to know when the four uh, loco is going to get drank. Maybe episode three hundred. Because we have to have paramedics on standby. Episode and... three hundred could be the four <laughs> loco episode. <laughs> Do we have to? We have to have a doctor, some <laughs> IV, all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> God bless paramedics. You. Yes. So I reached into the fridge and I found some some interesting beverages that were still remaining in there. And this is a shout out to our friend John. He gave me some home brews and it's been, uh, it's been a while since like I had these sitting around and I never drank this one. And I was curious about it for a while. It's called most important meal of the day. And it is oatmeal coffee stout. Is that a meal replacement beer? I believe it is. It's dark. It's lovely. We're getting a little coffee. We're getting some oatmeal, you know, everything like a classic oatmeal stout. It reminds me of, remember we used to get that one at Mount snow at the 1900 burger. It was like the, was it the Samuel Smith or there was, it was either Vermont or New Hampshire. Like they made an oatmeal, oatmeal coffee stout. I remember like Rem used to get it all the time and we get it sometimes. Yeah. And it just brings me back to that era. And it's just, it's just tasty. It's again, it it feels heavier than it probably drinks. It's like a six and a half or. I remember the oatmeal breakfast stout that we did have for breakfast, leaving Killington one time. Oh, those were, oh, that was the, uh, the 14th, house. 14th star. Yeah, that was good. Pancake house. Maple breakfast. Mm-hmm. And we're like, why not? It's a uh, Sunday, Sunday, fun day. Why yeah. not? Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't drink these a lot, but when I do, I'm like, ah, oh, these are really good. I just got that yeah. coffee-ish, like thick, but not too heavy flavor. A little bit of vanilla, a little bit of oatmeal. Like It's just... It's nice. And I don't know why, but I just it hits the spot right to now. Right now. Willy Wonka with the gum. Like I, I taste the turkey. I taste the gravy. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's it's good. So shout out to John. Thank you so much for giving me these. Nice. You can't buy this. I'm not gonna tell you where to buy. You can't. It's, you gotta can't be part of the it. homebrew club. You gotta be special. You gotta know somebody who knows somebody to get this beer. No guy knows a guy. But oatmeal coffee stouts, they're uh they're a tasty beer. It was Otter Creek. Is that possible? I don't know. I think it was Otter Creek. Was Way Otter back. Creek? Seems like Otter Creek is a beer company that would make an oatmeal stout. Otter Creek sounds familiar, and it seemed familiar in the in the realm of my mind of oatmeal stout land. Hey. Drip drop coffee stout, Outer Otter Creek Brewing. Could that be it? No. No. 14 Star was the other one. Yeah. I, maybe maybe it was them, Otter Creek. I feel like it was. Hmm. If I had to bet, you I have wouldn't to go bet back there this. and try it again. Just see. Yeah. Go back there, but like, what do you got on tap? What did you, Actually, what did you, did you have? The tap list? Excuse me. What did you have on draft in uh, February of 2013? Throwback. 1900. Let's see what they're carrying on their on their list now. Oh my god. At Mount Snow, 1900 burger. Let's look at their menu. Oh, yeah. It, you know what it was? Here it was. It's the Wolliver's Oatmeal Stout. That's Wolliver's. the word. Yeah. Nice. Wolliver's Oatmeal Stout by Otter Creek Brewing. That was the one. Boom. Yep. By Otter Creek. So it was. They don't make it anymore. You know, that's, again, that sounds about right. <laughs> but they have some new ones. So, good stuff. Mario. Let's go to Ski News. 
We got a follow-up from our main topic last week. Yes. So last week, if you recall, we talked about this new Fast Tracks program that Powder Corpse Mountains are incorporating. So Mount Bachelor, Snowbird, Killington. I'm missing one. Um, Killington. Mount Bachelor. Snowbird. Copper. Copper. There we go. Copper. So there has been rage coming from all over the place. People are holding up their fists in rage. It's really been bad. Yeah. And one of the ones that... It's been interesting to see what people, how they're responding to it. So, of course, we podcasted. We had our little... We had our two different sides of the equation that you could look at it. But there's folks who are actually going to change.org and creating petitions. Yeah. They're asking for a cease and desist to the fast tracks pass. So this, uh, this skier, Dan Cochran, Mount Bachelor skier, he's so pissed. He said, it's clear that profit over people is the new motto ever since powder took over Mount Bachelor. Uh, it said, could not be more ironic and tone deaf that during a time of social and equitable justice awakening that this corporation has decided to double down on this new motto and bring forth an elite system where individuals can pay an additional fee to effectively cut the line by the way of the fast pass. Hmm. And even Oregon Senator Ron Wyden wrote an open letter to powder founder John Cumming said, quote, given the serious concerns this policy raises about equitable access to the public lands on which Mount Bachelor operates under its U.S. Forest Service special use permit, I request that Powder abandon its plans to adopt the new pass system. I agree. People are pissed. There's all kinds of essays. Uh, One of them was written by Vermont Ski and Rides, Richard Solomon, The Two Futures of Skiing. There's a Killington Locals fa- uh, Facebook page where it's not, it's, uh, they're saying it's also not about the cost of the cut the line pass. It's about being the guy in line for 45 minutes and watching someone ski by and get right on. That's just irritating. Right. Just for the fact that they paid a little extra money to get a different pass to be able to yeah. cut you. That's yeah. why I'm all for, like, I'm against the pass. I'm all for, for the fact, look, want to cut the line all day get a lesson get a guide pay somebody to take you around and then you cut the line that's what happens it's been introduced since january of 2002 yeah for lodging guests only and it was made widely available to anyone skiing the following season in 2003 since that time it has gone through a number of variations and optimizations informed through guest feedback product and experimental enhancements were successfully implemented at copper and the concept was expanded to other resorts and reintroduced as fast tracks. We have learned through our recent experience with the product at copper is that it utilized by less than 2% of total daily skiers due to large part to be careful, but to our careful calibration and limiting access to ensure a quality experience for all guests. See, I still don't agree with it. I agree with the way they did it before. If you stay at the resort, we'll let you cut the pe- cut the line, right? Yeah. Why not? It's a perk for for giving them other business. You know, it's I don't know. Yeah. I just don't get. I don't know. I, this whole thing with passes makes me nervous because they're already messing, already messing around with day passes. Then they're messing around with these 
big conglomerated passes, and then they're doing now they're doing a fast pass. I mean, it didn't work well at Disney. Everybody hates the idea. Yeah. They want to pummel you in the parking lot. Basically, what happens is you cut the line, and they wait for you in the parking lot, and these little kids just come at you. <laughs> like, just beating you with mouse ears, right? That's right. Yeah. Like, this is the guy that made us miss Space Mountain. <laughs> Whoop his ass, kids. So, yeah, it's... And again, they, they it's crazy because it's still kind of new. And I remember one of the articles said it was going to start at 45 bucks a day. And again, we... Yeah. They, when you say start at, that means the price could go up. And the way they've been handling lift tickets is based on the demand, the prices go up. And could one of those fast tracks for a day be 150 bucks, 100 bucks? And you know that, the time it's going to come in handy is on like a holiday weekend, really busy. If they're at that time, you're cutting the line when people are standing in line, like exorbitant amounts of time already. Yeah. So they're paying for their past. They're not getting the value out of it. And then you're just going to have these people cutting the line. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we talked about it plenty last week, but it was just interesting to see all these other folks chiming yeah. in because there's been a whole week to respond to this now. So, so that change.org, right? There's petitions on it for everything. The whole leave uh, Jeff dude. Bezos in space, like yeah, all those things. And I signed petitions like that. I think I wanted him to stay out in space, or not he, be able to return to Earth. Right? He was supposed to eat the Mona Lisa. Wasn't that one of the things they had a... Uh, yeah, eat the Lisa. Eat the Mona we Lisa. We had an article on it. That was, that was one did. of our... Yeah. Under the ropes, yeah. Um, yeah do, so... Is that just a way to like calm everybody down? Like go to change.org, sign a petition, like get it out of your system. Cause nothing, it's not going to go anywhere. Does anything happen with those? It's basically a lazy way for a person to think they're actually doing something to make a change. Yeah. Cause that's what I'm worried about. Like, so you go through all this effort. You're like, okay, I'm going to give my name and phone number and whatever information they ask that you kind of feel uncomfortable giving. And then I sign this petition for this thing. And what comes of it? Does anything come do, like has anything come from the change.org petitions? Like I, I nope. I'm ignorant and I just want to know. I'm just saying it's, it's pretty much a, a feel good, do nothing kind of move. At least that's that's the, yeah. the vibe I've gotten from it. Yeah. Great. You sign a petition, they could wipe my ass with it after, right? Like it's, there you go. Needs nothing. Yeah. I feel <laughs> what's the Billy Madison thing? I feel uh dumber <laughs> for having <laughs> everyone. <laughs> never once in your incoherent rambling did you ever come close to making a point everyone in this room is now dumber for dumber. having listened to you yes that's that's exactly it like is I that awards you no points and may god have mercy on your soul <laughs> that's a, that's the kicker may god have mercy on yourself <laughs> is that the end game of the change.org petitions like i wonder beautiful well uh, speaking of having mercy on your credit card boom Next story. The uphill adapters. We're there on you go. One. Yeah. So uh, uphill adapters will allow you to earn your turns without spending a fortune on the new on new gear in the new year. Uh, I added the new year part. So for just 189 bucks, they have these adapters now that will adapt your bindings to allow you to basically use your regular bindings as if they were touring bindings. So that you can kind of Skinner Skinner um, traverse uh, a little bit easier up the mountain. Um, it's pretty cool. Like I'm looking at the video, I'm looking at the the thing. It just adapts onto your actual binding to yeah, allow. So you have a, if you have a regular Alpine binding and you want to do some touring, yeah, this thing you you kind of twist it 
and it, you can get the, the correct size so it locks into your alpine binding but gives you that that heel release so you can do some some faux touring did you know somebody had this like technology and like nah we're gonna get people to buy the other bindings <laughs> like i think you have a pair of like bindings that you can switch for both right well no my my boots have that um, oh your boots have it, but you have touring bindings right i don't not yet i never got them oh you never okay i thought you had touring bindings. no i uh i rented a, a pair i rented a pair out in colorado okay is it that big of a commitment you just spend some money and you have it yeah but think about if you don't want to have a shit ton of skis and bindings in your house. Like why would you put the bindings on the ski? Well, you would want, I'm just saying, but now with the bindings on the ski, now that ski is used for touring. It's great, but I don't know. This is, this is a good. Well, this is like a gateway. This is like a gateway. into. Yeah. If you, you want to give it a try, but you don't want to spend all the crazy amount of money for buying a new setup. You buy yeah. these for they're under two hundred dollars. If you want a date touring, you don't want to marry it, right? Just saying. There you go. This is like the one night stand of touring. <laughs> the one night stand. <laughs> Come on in, put this little thing on. Make if, sure you make sure you're protected, and then you know. Yeah, if, if you want to, at least you know, if you want to dabble, instead of getting like fully committed into this, it's like a like a like a sampler, like a buffet. You give it a little try. You like it. You don't like it. No problem. Not a big deal. But I like think it. about like, think about you if you spent spent like seven hundred bucks on skis. Dude, it fits in your backpack. Three hundred bucks on bindings. Four hundred, or let's call eight hundred bucks on boots. So you're down two grand, and you try touring like this sucks, and you're like, I just spent two thousand dollars, and I don't like to do this. This two hundred dollars, and if you don't like it, you sell them on eBay. Someone buys them for a hundred and seventy dollars. Good to but go. Dude, what I love about these, you clap, you you snap them in. You take them out of your backpack, you snap them in on the mountain, and then you go. So yeah. let's say you're out, you're, you're, you know, you're downhill, you know, you're alpine skiing, you're just going through the resort, and you're like, hey, you know what? This is a bunch of boring shit. I already have my stuff, and I have my touring thing. Let's go back country. Boom. You have to worry about going back to the lodge, switching shit out. Going, you're just taking out your backpack, take a little breather, clip them in, boom, you're on your way. I'm trying to, the only thing that I find a little odd, maybe not odd. I'm trying to figure out how your front toe clip sticks in this thing. Well, it fits into the unit. So if you look at the whole apparatus, it clips into the front. Okay. Right. But then the bottom piece it's on, that's on a pivot and the bottom piece that's angled that clips into your binding toe. Okay. I see now. I'm watching the video. Now I can see it. The video shows it really. I wonder yeah. how much weight this adds. I don't think it's that heavy, right? Mm, You're probably made out I of. Don't know. Alu- how much is aluminum weight? Plastic. <laughs> plastic. It could probably all be mostly aluminum, except for the plastic that attaches to your binding. I think that's what it looks like. The piece that attaches to your binding is plastic as, as your boots are resin. Yeah. And then everything else looks like it's aluminum. Guaranteed delivery by mid-December. So this can make a wonderful Christmas gift. For say, perhaps you are a big fan of touring and you're trying to get somebody into it. But again, you don't want to buy the whole setup for them. You could just get these. And if they don't like it, just give them to somebody else or and sell if them. If you work for No Boundary Skiing, I think you're going to have to reach out to us because we've got to talk about this on the podcast. We want to try these. Just saying. 
skibumpodcast at gmail.com. There's a contact us. I'm, I'm hitting it. I mean, you I may send us an email at contact at skibumpodcast.com. Perhaps we'll check it in about two months and respond. <laughs> That's the problem we have. Yes. I so. think somebody tried to call us on our, our podcast number, our, yeah. our bat phone. I think someone was telling us our our student loans are in are not paid off or something. Well, you know, they called me and it was about my uh, warranty for my car, and I actually renewed it. Look at you. No, <laughs> <laughs> it was the renewal for the warranty on the um, the uh, what you want, snowcat. There you go. That'd be cool. So next story. Now this is a pass. Like I didn't know this even existed. I'm Perhaps very interested. In this I'm thing. just a fool. I'm signing up. I didn't know this was a thing, but now I do. The Ski Vermont Four Pass Info. Again, this is new. I didn't realize this exists. So if you are in Vermont, they have a special pass that you can buy, and it gives you four passes for any of the resorts in Vermont. Subject to restricted dates. So it looks like most of them, it's Christmas week, MLK, presidents. You know, the usual. Some have a little bit. Some it's just presidents weekend. Some it's like the whole week. Right. And some also like Killington won't give you Thanksgiving. But this is, I mean, this is a pretty good deal. Some of these resorts like Middlebury and... Suicide Six, like I think their lift tickets are actually cheaper than what this would be if you broke it down. Again, it's a hundred and what is it, ninety two dollars, hundred ninety six dollars for four lift tickets hmm. for Vermont. It's pretty awesome. See, you go to the site on Ski Vermont, mm-hmm. and you can't buy it. You got to sign up and submit a form to get information on it. Right. Because they have a very small number of passes that they actually... Right. So you sign up and I guess they email you and ask if you want to buy one. Yeah. So you're allowed to get two per pass holder. Like two sets of these tickets. Which, again, it's quite a good deal. And, you know, if... And they have different restricted dates based on the mountain and... But it's the usual holiday weekends, really. Or holiday weeks. Now, if you say... Say you have an Indy Pass, like we do. This would oh. be a nice compliment exactly. to an Indy Pass. For another four days in Vermont, perfect. Yeah, it's not bad at all. You know, you do two days at Sugarbush, two days at Mad River Glen. Yeah. Not so bad. Do a couple days at Killington, maybe a couple more days at, you know, Magic or Okemo. Like you could you could definitely find a way to to make this a long weekend if you want to do something different. It's pretty cool. I like it. I like that it exists. So you're looking for some more Vermont ski days. And if you're in the Northeast, who's not check this out. We'll put a link in the show notes. We got one last story here. One last story is a judge grants Vail resorts, a motion to pause the class action lawsuit that's going on. And I know Brian and I were talking about this earlier. There's, there's two different articles. I think you have the better article. The one that we have is out of um, yeah, the original is from Summit Daily. 
Somerdale in Vale, right? Yeah, which went yeah. a little. It was a little verbose was a little, and not to the point. Right. It was a little technical, talking about the the technicality of the case, but not talking about the case itself. Yeah. And you dug a little bit more into. Yeah, so what it actually breaks down to is that a motion filed by Vail Resorts to delay a lawsuit in Colorado filed by former and current employees who say that their employer improperly compensated them has been granted by a federal judge. So they're also fighting similar cases in California. The plaintiffs and their attorneys oppose the motion and they claim it is part of a broader plan by Vail to put an end to the lawsuits for the least amount of money and without having to change any policies, which, of course, that's what big companies do who are being sued. They want to minimize damage, of course. So what happened was back in December of 2020, three Vail Resorts employees alleged the company systematically fails to pay its hourly employees for all hours worked and repeatedly violates federal and state labor laws in California, Colorado, Michigan, Minnesota, New York, Utah, Vermont, Washington, and Wisconsin, according to the statement. They claim that proposed class action lawsuit should proceed not only in Colorado, but in the eight other states where the company operates. And so the folks who filed the lawsuit in the District Court of Colorado December 3rd, they worked at Beaver Creek And this is what they alleged that they said while traveling on company buses to and from employee parking lots, the time spent putting on uniforms and equipment and job training were all examples of unpaid off the clock time for employees, such as instructors, lift scanners, and lift operators, operators, operators. What's an operator? Operators. The They estimate damages to all affected current and former employees would exceed $100 million. Wow. Those epic passes are going to go up if this goes through. It adds up. Yeah. They say that Vail Resorts exploited the plaintiffs and thousands of other seasonal employees in violation of federal and state labor laws for years. And these egregious practices continue to the present. So Vail did not dispute the allegations, but instead filed a partial motion to dismiss the lawsuit in all states except where the employees worked, which is Colorado. Huh. And then 13 additional individuals have filed consent forms expressing desire to participate in the action. This one of the plaintiffs alleges he's owed $8,000 in unpaid wages plus 17000 in unpaid overtime. Wow, that's a lot. That is, especially if you're like an hourly worker, like that's big money there you're being screwed out of. Yeah. Yeah, so so this is, of course, ugly. And you can kind of, you kind of see both sides of it. You know, like we kind of talked about it before the podcast. And, you know, it's, again, they say that taking the employee buses, putting on equipment, it depends, like wh- how... How do you want to see that? Like, do you want to see it as, well, this is your time. You should be ready and you should start work and boom, the clock starts. Or, I mean, there must be some sort of employee handbook or process or somewhere where it tells you when do you actually start hitting the button? Like my shift starts now. Well, like if your employer tells you you have to be at work at this time, right? Let's say it's 
eight in the morning, right? They tell you you got to be here at eight in the morning. You show up eight in the morning, you get paid from eight in the morning on, right? Now, if that means eight in the morning in this in this employee parking lot that you now have to take a shuttle over, all right, well, maybe that's part of it, right? That's part of what you should get paid. Uh, training for the job should be paid, right? If they're giving you training, unless it's something where you got to be pre-qualified before you come in, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, but if it gets to the point where they're saying, hey, you know what? Clock out at five o'clock, but if you have like a half hour of cleanup work to do, do that cleanup, but clock out at five and you can leave at 530. That's, that's really pretty messed up. That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Cleanup work, you got extra duties. Like it, it didn't fit within your shift. You got to get paid for that or somebody else has to take it over and you leave, you know? Yeah. And again, I, I, you know, being someone who's always critical of everything Vale does, my first thought is, ah, like they'll screw in their employees again, of course. And certainly I'm sure there are some shady things that they're doing, but the thing about the, the buses to and from the employee parking lots, like, is that, should you really be getting paid for that? Right. That could putting be on the, on the putting line. on the equipment that that probably you should be paid for because you're actually checking in. If you're like a, you know, a, an operator or you're putting on a certain uniform, like you check yeah. in, you you look in the locker room, you put your thing, your your card in, and then you put your uniform on. How long can that take? Right. Five minute stops. So like we have to dissect like what activities they're talking about because there's a precedence for this. Like there's been companies, there's a big. Um, grocery store chain that got the shit suit out of when I was in North Carolina because they were telling their people Harris Teeter. Um, it was Food Line. Oh. Uh, I think Harris Teeter might have gotten sued. <laughs> they all got caught like doing this, but they were telling people like, "Look, your your shift ends at like five, so punch out, and if you have extra work to do, just do it and then leave because that's part of your duties, but you just didn't fit it within the time that you were allotted." That's so true. They were kind of blaming it on the employee, like, well, you didn't you didn't do what you were supposed to, you didn't work as fast as you should have. So you that's gonna be on your time, which was bullshit. Like so federal government was like, no, that, that person was working. If they didn't work hard enough or fast enough, well then you gotta change your expectation or 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 let the person go. But you, you can't just take their time and, and not pay them for it. So uh there is precedence in in a lot of cases. So I'm sure that's gonna come into play too. So We'll see. I mean, yeah, that's shady though. You got to find out all the details though. Cause like reading these articles, you don't know all the details cause obviously the case is going on. So they're not going to put too much out there because it still has to be judged by jury probably if it goes to jury. So you need the details, you need the evidence. Like again, yeah. if you want to, if you want to f- f- take the side of the disgruntled employee, like you can see the, all oh, the man is screwing me again. Or if you're on the veil side of things, you're like, listen, these guys are just being like lazy slackers. Like they didn't show up on time. Like you don't, you don't get paid for not working. So, yeah. but this really is also why they settle guys. out of court because you know what? In the, in the, in the jury of public opinion, veil, you're a monster. Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Right. That's why it's more. It's it's money better well served to just pay him out of court and say let it go away. For sure. Put yeah, a gag order 100%. on everybody and just pay everybody out and you don't. And that's and then everyone pretty much is happy because Vale's not going through the trial. They're not going to be like dragged across the coals. Oh, look how evil this company is. And these guys are getting paid, which is really what they want. 
So hopefully that's how it ends up. But uh, like I just I read articles like this and I'm like, this is why I could never be a lawyer. I'm so bored. Like I get so annoyed and bored and I just don't have time to deal with this. Like I just want to get out there and get skiing. I want to get right in there. I want to be in, I want to be in the in trial saying, did you send that note? Did you order the code red? And I want that guy to stand up. Like, You're goddamn right. I want the code red. You can't handle the truth. You want to be all Matlock out there? That's right. I'm a Matlock. Yeah. <laughs> My cousin Vinny, that's me. That's you. Two Utes. <laughs> Two Utes. Well, going from Vale, something that's kind of a lot of skiers are jaded on. A lot of us, a lot of us have a very negative opinion about Vale, and that's fine. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. But something that we all can agree on is the beauty the wonder, the majesty that is the independent ski resort. Mm-hmm. We always talk about how much we love the Indy Pass, our pal Doug over there, who's running the show. And soon to come, Doug, we got to talk Indy World Pass. Because <laughs> you, you're in Japan now, I think it's relevant now. Greece, now, Greece, South America, Greece, Indy South Worldwide. America. Exactly. <laughs> but our friends at the Indy Pass, they teamed up with the good folks at TGR. Teton Gravity Research and just released a new film called The Pursuit of Soul. And you can watch this for free on TGR TV. Just do a Google search in Pursuit of Soul. It should show up. We'll put a link in the show notes, though, if you want to check it out or if you're just lazy, which is fine too. That's cool. Go to our site. So I watched this yesterday. I watched it twice already. I watched and. And what it is, if they go to 12 different independent resorts, 49 degrees north, Beaver Mountain, Berkshire East, Black Mountain, Bolton Valley, Brundage Mountain, Cannon Mountain, Lost Trails, Magic Mountain, Mission Ridge, Saddleback, and Snow King. And one thing that I loved about this movie, again, it's it's only about a half an hour long. Like we saw like our friends in this movie. Like we saw our buddy Benji Alexander, who's trying to ski for the Jamaican team. Like we interviewed him last year. We now, saw Lindsay Delorier, who we interviewed last year. That. One thing I thought was kind of funny on Benji did fall in the clip. He's a humble man, you know, he's showing it off. Dude, he's got he was rocking his sweet Steo gear, you know, that yeah. he's in the catalog. This, this I love it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a good dude. He's an interesting, really interesting story that he has going from a DJ to a attempting Olympic skier in five years, which is pretty five incredible. Yeah. We, we saw Lindsay Delorier, who's the president of Bolton Valley, who we interviewed yes. last year too. And um, our buddy Jeff from Magic Mountain, he was in there too. And it's just, it's, it's cool seeing people that you know and knowing, being, having gone to a lot of those mountains. And kind of hearing the stories and some of the interesting facts they brought up. And again, we're not going to, I don't think there's really spoiler alerts. I mean, it's really, you know, you, yeah. you watch it and you, it's kind of the things you expected, the, the places well, you know anything. and love. It's a big reveal at the end, which we but, can't spoil. Yeah. But they were saying that the first rope tow went in in 1934. Again, that was during the Great Depression. That's when skiing started. Like it's a bunch of weirdos and wacky people who were doing this. And then in 1970, there was over a thousand independent resorts in the U.S. And in 2021, there's under 400. So that's how much consolidation has happened. Places have closed. And 
you know, they talk to the people who are the owners, the people who are running these resorts. Like a lot of them are family run. Like it's like, oh, the father bought it in the sixties the or the fifties, started it back then. And now the family took it over. And you, you, they, when they say family run, it's funny. Like I had my own small business for a while and I got out of it cause it was a shit ton of work. And I made, I'm doing something for corporate America now, but, uh, you're selling you when you, I sold out, but when you have your own business, I mean, I literally had a lot of weeks where I was working hundred hours and they're talking about these people that are like, you know, they're working every job. They're doing every position. Like there's, they're not sitting back saying, well, we hired some people to do this. And I just run this kind of thing, manager. No, they're out there driving the snowcat. They're setting up, you know, <laughs> setting up the, the little, you know, uh, sticks for stuff and coning stuff off. Like they're doing every job and they're working 60 plus hours a week. And, and that's just what they do. It's like a labor of love. It's you really see the, the, the one thing I liked about this, you really see firsthand what it really means for these indie resorts to run, you know, and mm-hmm. even they talk about the towns that are supported by them, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, a hundred percent. And you again, you talk about the family run, like some of them, yeah, like you said, 60, 80 hours a week. And one of the comments they made in the movie is that, you know, they're open four months a year, but they have 12 months in bills. Yep. So they, they have to make money. They have to get everything done. They have to keep the, the costs of everything, at least affordable. So people keep going there, but also not they got to pay their bills. Like that's, that's the yeah. important thing. I'd find that, that balance there. They even equated and, to a farm. One of them said, it's like running a farm year round, but you're only making money four mm-hmm. months out of the year. Whereas mm-hmm. a farmer, you're trying to get, you're only, you're only kind of not farming for four months of the year during the winter. If mm-hmm. you're in a, in that climate. Right. So it's kind of reverse. And like you said, you still got bills, you still got equipment, capital costs. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into having a place and then also running it, you know? Yeah. And it was nice too, because they talked to a lot of the different folks, people running it, some of the uh, eccentric regulars at, yeah. you know, at at the resorts. And there was just some cool, like, you know, comments. They're just talking about, you know, skiing is expression. You know, it's, it's really, it's, a, it's human spirit. And they talk about America is independent and free. And that's kind of what skiing is too. And you look at kind of the way the world is going in terms of everything. Like, how does this, how can we scale this? How can we make it bigger and better? And, and one of the folks in the film makes a comment is like, well, bigger isn't always better. A lot of times it's worse, you know, and another great metaphor they had is it's like, do you want to go to a a local restaurant, mom and pop, or do you want to go to Applebee's, you know? And a lot of times what you're getting and again, one of the reasons why Vale gets this criticism is they try to cookie cutter all the resorts. And so many people like make that comment. It's like, well, you know, it's just nice when things are familiar. It's like, then go to the same place. Like personality yeah. and character is what makes things interesting. And these indie resorts, they like, I love not knowing where the ticket window is. I love having to wander around and find out where things are, where the bathroom is. Cause you know what? You get to explore and discover things instead of having your Costco exact same setup, every single store veil resort. That's not what it's about. Skiing is about adventure. It's about 
discovery. It's about challenging. And you know what? That's what I, that's what I want in a resort. And that's what these indie resorts are trying to stick to. Yeah. They're trying to stick to that having a spirit, a personality, a soul. And well, I gotta tell you, like, girl, I, there was one girl at the end of it. She was driving a snowcap, but I think she was like a part owner or part of the family or something of one of the resorts. And she made a good comment. She's like, you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to dress a certain way. You're just accepted and you have interaction with people. You are who you are. You walk in and, and you know, you don't have to have this, you know, she didn't say it, but I'm thinking in my mind, like a douchebag persona of going to one of these high flute and ski areas and being somebody you're not wearing the right gear, having the cool stuff and fitting in, you know, it's just, Hey, you show up. doesn't matter if you're in jeans or ski pants or board pants. You just go and you do your thing and you ski and you have fun. You talk to people on the mountain and well, yeah, it's the, that, and that's, you know, that's exactly my biggest complaint about the big Vale resorts, Whistler Vale is that like, I love the mountain. I love the terrain. It's unbelievable. It's so much fun. When you get to that village and you've been skiing your ass off all day, you're exhausted. You just want to get a table. You want to get a, a an apre. You want to get a drink and something to eat. And you have these people who just walked out of bed, went and bought their Vale sweatshirt, put it on and are wasting your goddamn table space. You right. know, like there's all yeah. these people who were there to They're, be at the Oh, I scene. wanted to see the nice lodge up at the top of the mountain. It's like, I just want to get something to eat, you know? Like, I just want to, I wanted to go on vacation. Like I, I just want to go to the hot tub. I want to buy the sweatshirt. Like right. I don't want to be near those people. I want to be, again, I, I always talk about. Sometimes my, I do, but most, most times I don't. You can have them. They're all yours. <laughs> That's why I, I talk about magic all the time, how much I love that place. Cause you go, you're done. You throw your skis on the rack. You go to the black line tavern. Everyone has just been skiing. Everyone's telling the stories of being out there. Yeah. They're having a beer. They're sweaty. They're gross. It's beautiful. It's perfect. Well, one of the big tells that, uh, one of the, one of the women in there, uh, talked about was, one of the first three questions that you're not asked at an indie resort, small mountain, is what do you, what do, you do for a living? Right. Love like, that. Yeah. It's where did you go? How did you ski? How are the conditions? How was your day? None of none of it onto who are you, where you're from, and and what are you going to flaunt? It's about like what kind of day did you have? And do you need help? You see my some new, stuff see my new Stokely skis out there. It's got some new <laughs> Stokelys. They're they're pretty rad. They're Stokelys. That's right. They're like seventeen hundred dollars Stokelys. That's right. Hey Talk man, about your, did you uh, get off the blues? Lamborghini, your, you know, your, your uh, SUV, you know, like yeah. it's, it's crazy. Did you like, get off the blue trails with your Stokelys, my friend? Mm-hmm. Like it's just people yeah. who brag about that kind of stuff. Like I don't have time for you, my man. Like I want to, I want to see what you did. Like I want to talk about actual real fun stuff. Yeah. You want that question. You want to be the person that asked that question. Like, or get asked the question. Did you, did like, you have a good day? It's like, That's Hey, what you want to know. It's like, Hey, I was an Excalibur. Do you see those tracks going into the, the woods there? We went back there a couple times. There was some sick powder stashes. It was so much fun. Oh. I freaking crashed into a tree, but I didn't care. It was, <laughs> I was able to get back up and I found my tracks back down and we did it again. And this time I didn't hit the tree. Like that's the kind of stories I want to talk about. Perfect. I don't want to talk about your $1,500 skis that what are like oh, barely you used. Oh, did you take a private jet over to, uh, to Jackson this time? Or did you have to fly commercial? Like, no. This place is okay. But yeah, it's no Jackson Hole. 
Yeah. It's like, then go to Jackson Hole and shut up. Exactly. So it's the guy wearing the Jackson Hole t-shirt. Eh, whatever. It's, I'm just saying, there's a different saying. There's a different aura about it. And, and they kind of, they made it clear in, in the video what that is. And it's really cool that they captured that. It was, it was really. There was one scene and I forget which place it was at. It might've been 49 degrees north or Mission Ridge. They showed, like they, they kind of went into the, the lodge. It's like the cafeteria part. And they showed the guy like kind of cleaning off the table and stuff. Yeah. Yep. And I remember watching that scene and being like, I know exactly what that smells like. And I <laughs> love it. It's like yep. that. It smells like kind of like old wet carpet and like French fries and chicken fingers and coffee. Like there's that cafeteria. smell. That, yep. that lodge cafeteria smell. lunch room cafe, like, like lodgy kind of yeah like hints of chicken noodle soup back there you know wet boot wet boot, wet in, the, boot. in the undertone yeah a little bit of ketchup and i i watched that scene i said to andrea when i was watching it with me i'm like i know exactly what that smells like and i love it i had the biggest yep. smile on my face because i thought about Last year, actually, going to with Benjamin to Shawnee on the Indy Pass. We went there yeah. a bunch of times, went in the lodge. And I'm like, that's exactly like I smelled the day that we had together. And I'm like, I can't wait for that smell in just a few weeks. Yeah. I, I mean, it. let's be clear. Like, I spent my, my, the start of my skiing and I've gone back to, to, to skiing at small places because they're, they're cool. Like, they're convenient, they're cool, they're local, and they're just like, they're non bougie, right? And, yeah. and I've taken my vacations to go do Europe and do some big resorts, but those are nice, but they're kind of like, you know, bucket list items you cross off and then you do them and you're like, well, it was okay. But you know what you miss a lot of times when you think about it? And this is why you go back to those indie resorts. You're like, you miss that little soul that you started with, you know? Mm -hmm. And it is a huge thing. They were talking about, um, oh shoot. What was it? Um, I forgot which resort they were talking about. And they, they gave a number of new skiers that they, they get into the sport. And I was like, Oh, that was snow King was snow King. They were saying they got like all the, like the kids, the school buses, number of kids, a lot of like, like a lot wow. of like Spanish Latin kids. Latino kids who kid, like, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. their, their parents are working for all these. But equal baby. Yeah. bus is coming. But they were having them all going from school right to the mountain. And they had yeah, this whole awesome. big program to get kids started, which is so cool. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's it's awesome, you know, to to see it. And that's where it starts. You know, you don't see these big resorts necessarily doing as much local out, outreach. And they might do it, but it's not as impactful, I think, as some of these local mountains because the the close closer proximity to people you know what i mean like well think about it too like you know a lot of these like we talked about before a lot of these are family-run companies it's like yeah. oh it's this is like our second or third generation running this place think about if your family had this ski resort this company think how much more passion you would put into your job right making it the best caring about it cultivating a culture that's fun and gets people involved and excited versus just being a veil employee who may or may not get paid this week. Like think about the different level yeah. of commitment you have or if, or if, you know, maybe you're not a family member, maybe you're just someone looking for a job, but one of them really kind of takes you under their wing, believes in you, helps groom you to make you, you know, a better skier, a better employee. Like think about how much more work and effort you're going to put into that job right? and turn it around. And again, 
cultivate and grow the culture there versus someone, again, who's just a, a transient big resort employee. Yeah. Or somebody visiting, they don't, they, they look at stuff they're like, oh, I'm just leaving because I'm, I don't know what to do. I'm, you know, but you have these any places and they were talking about how the kids, they just let them loose on the mountain. And they're like, that was cool. Yeah. That was, that, that was magic. Out. That was magic. Saying, they kind of yeah. watch out for each other. They watch out for the kids. Yeah. It's a family. I mean, this is, this is a local family owning a local mountain, having a lot of locals frequent the mountain. They basically know everybody in town. It's like a town, you know, they're, they're employing a lot of people in town. People in town are, are, are there. The kids are growing up there. It's, it's a big part of the community. And that's why, you know, um, when, when one of them goes out of business, it, it kills, it kills families. You know, people have to move because they're like, well, there's no work. You know, well, that's what's that was Saddleback. That's what they're yeah. saying. They're showing Rangeley, Maine, and they just reopened last year. Again, terrible timing for them. But, yeah. you know, they, they were showing these employees and they were saying that, you know, they closed in 2015. And these a lot of these folks are like, we didn't even ski for mm. four, four or five years because we just we couldn't because we were so heartbroken by this place shutting down yeah. and the town suffered from it. And but to see, like, to see them again, like they're telling these stories and they're, they're, cr- their tears in their eyes are crying, talking about, you know, my wife and I used to ski here. She passed away last year. We're so happy we were able to come back. Like I wanted to grab all those people and like, just hug them and go ski with them. And I wanted to just like, I want to, I want to fi- figure out a way that all these places can just mine Bitcoin and become self-sufficient forever. Like I would like, that would be like the ultimate dream job to how, how can we support have this like just level of like financial safety that all these indie resorts can get com- stay completely independent and just do their own thing. Like that's like, I just, I, I want to figure this out. Yeah. Because I love all these people. I love all their stories. Like I want them to all thrive. Yeah. It's pretty heartbreaking when you're, you're saying it's basically the biggest the biggest industry in town, right? So if that closes up, let's say if you have a big factory, you have a, a big ski resort, you know, a local ski resort, whatever is, is kind of supporting the town that goes out. People have to leave. There's no work in town. So you actually have to move your entire family out. So you have a lot of people leaving. There's no work in town. Like what, what is everybody doing? I mean, the town is just sitting there just suffering. And it's, it's, it's terrifying to think we've, we've gotten out of that in modern times to some degree, but it still exists, especially for a lot of these, these indie ski towns, you know, and, yeah, and we have to support them. It's a, it's a big part of our culture, our ski culture, uh, the ski, ski industry. And it's just, uh, I, I think people overlook it a little and, and now they're looking at it a little bit more. I think COVID, the Indy pass, I think, just this focus more on indie resorts and how did we start and getting kids into the sport. I think it's enlightened people to, to not just look at something they didn't look at, but relook at something they knew was there, but we're overlooking all along, you know? Yeah. I think the perfect kind of summation of that too, is you're looking at Bolt Valley and they're showing, you know, a bunch of the Delorier family members and, you know, showing how Ralph started back in the sixties. And, you know, obviously his, his kids, like, the sons, they were out, all out last, they were ripping. Yeah. Now they're all back together. And, you know, Lindsay, who we talked to last year, was talking about too, like her, her brothers, her parents, they all live on the same street. Like they all came back That's awesome. to that area to run this mountain together. And when they sold it, I guess it was like 
you know, 15 or 20 years ago, the place kind of went by the wayside. It didn't mm-hmm. have that care. You know, it didn't have that passion, that, that culture that they originally brought to the place. Yeah. Kind of what we were just talking about, you know, now that they're back, it's like, again, it's reuniting the family. It's reuniting the culture, the community. People are excited again because there's skin in the game. These people care enough where yeah. it's, you know, if you're just some big mega corporation pass resort, again, even the great ones, you know, if you're a destination, it's harder to have that culture because you want to wine and dine your weekly guests. They come in, they stay at the fancy hotel, they eat the fancy dinners, they ski for an hour a day, they go to the spa. You want to extract all the money out of them that you can. It's it's right. not about a culture. I mean, granted, you, all those places have great locals. I mean, you know, we've, we've been to some of the local bars at Whistler. Those are the spots you go to. You don't go to the spot. Right. right off the mountain, you go to find the, the local spot. Unless and you want to find fancy bougie dinner, which we've done too. Which That's yeah, you know, nice to add to the flavor, right? But that dinner at the Fairmont didn't suck. I will tell you, did Getting not the suck. fancy steak and this 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 cow was slaughtered three miles from here. His name was Clarence. I gotta say, when they bring the meat out and they show you like which piece of meat do you want, like and you point to it and like I want that one, that I love, and it's that's nice. That is nice. I I do like that every once in a while. I do like my two hundred dollar dinner once in a while. But Dude, if they did that at like McDonald's, like more people would eat McDonald's. <laughs> if they walk in, like, would you like this burger or that burger? I think that would scare a lot of people if they saw the McDonald's burger. But McDonald's would have to step it up to like the presentation, right? Like, like walk which in. which McGriddle would you like to choose from, sir? <laughs> which egg would you like? The yeah. white egg, the natural looking egg, like. Which one? The extra large, large, like, like Fuddruckers. Yeah. used to walk into Fuddruckers and they had like the meat thing and then they'd have the, the, the regular meat and then they had the ground meat. It's like, oh, it came from that. Okay, I want that burger. And like, you see it. Like, it's kind of important. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, so the Indy Pass, you know, all these 12 resorts, they're all on the Indy Pass. And again, you watch this film and you're like, I want to go to all these places. I want to spend time with these people. I want to hang out in that cafeteria. I want to have a beer at the the local, the, the bar at the bottom there. Like, I don't want to go anywhere off the resort. Like, I want to just support these places as much as I can. So here's the thing with the Indy Pass. Like, and when I was watching that video, it really hit me. I was like, you know, I loved these indie resorts when I lived in those areas, right? Like, so when I traveled around, I lived in Buffalo, I lived in, you know, New York, New Jersey. Like when you live near those areas, you're like, Oh, I just want to drive up and go. Like, it's kind of cool. Like you're there. Like, I wouldn't think that would be a destination to fly into say a hotel. You know what I mean? Like it's a whole different person. That's why the big resorts are there. Cause you go, you fly in, you stay in a hotel, you do the whole experience, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like a different, um, it's kind of like the difference between going to Rockefeller Center to see the tree versus going home to be with your family, right? Yeah, they're they're both great things, but yeah, yeah the one Home's you're home. not home is home, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it definitely makes you if you aren't indie pass fanboys like we are. It really is important, I think, to check this out as a skier or a snowboarder, just to see that, you know, how important these places are, why they're important, and 
to really go and sample them to check them out because again you know we all love our our four thousand feet of vertical you know jackson hole but the days that you can have at a 700 feet of vertical shawnee or 2000 foot cannon you know you can you can have just as much fun if not more and have an amazing experience checking these places out i think it's important conscious like mentally and consciously to understand and remember what place they have in your heart and in your life, right? Like the any resorts are like your home and, you know, the, the big resorts are the big resorts. It's great. You know, it's, that's the, Hey, let's go to Vegas kind of thing, you know, versus. I want to go oh yeah. Out. Spot on versus yeah. having your local neighborhood ski. Hill. Exactly. Let's mm-hmm. go, go hang out and go skiing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited to go and check out as many of these as I possibly can. Oh, snowcat costs, I looked up. A four-seat snowcat starts at around 125 grand. But I don't think that's like a piston building. I think I may have to raid my 401k because I don't know if I'm going to live to use it. I'm going to be alive tomorrow and need to drive a snowcat. Right? Yeah, I'm looking up, uh, let's see, a piston bully. Damn, we talk about 150 is the low end to 500,000. 500, nice. So when you talk about maintaining a resort, right, like an indie resort especially, right, that's a lot of money, man. You talk about an off-market, they could, they still probably have to spend probably like 8,200 grand on one of these. Yeah. In decent work condition then you gotta maintain it and stuff like well, one one thing like in the, the dan egan book he was talking about when he was running tenny mountain he's like he called up uh you know one of the, the cat he was bombardier and he's like yeah i'm over this couple of snow cats blah, blah. he's <laughs> like um for your mountain you probably should just rent a few like lease uh, a few so they yeah. have like you know those leasing deals yeah um but yeah they're like yeah you probably shouldn't buy them because you probably can't afford them probably don't want to you know spend all your money on this you probably want to spread it around and yeah it's uh it's kind of crazy when you think about the the cost involved so yeah and then the maintenance too like i doubt that's cheap yeah and that's what makes it so crazy like all all the folks that you know you have to pay all the the snow making everything that's required to keep a mountain running and all the people who are busting and you're the one complaining that you're in line for an extra minute or two yeah, oh, they had that one guy from Tibet. He he got out of Tibet, I guess, escape persecution, and he fixes. They said he's the um, snow machine the snow, whisperer. Yeah, the snow gun whisperer, right? Snow gun whisperer that he fixes everything. And I it's escaped like, Tibet, ended up in Berkshire East, yeah, Massachusetts, right? Berkshire East, but but that's the flavor that you get out of these local mountains. You're like, well, here's a guy. Yeah, he probably could go. He didn't know any English. He kind of you know was a refugee and just kind of was good with machines and figured shit out and so now awesome, he's, right? he's the guy that keeps him going you know because yeah. you couldn't do it if you you know what are you gonna do hire a company to do a service contract you can pay too much money you know you, mm. you can't survive that way i actually found the part in 30 years in a white haze oh, there you go. and he said yeah he called bombardier and uh <laughs> He's like, 
Yeah, how much do groomers cost? I'm going to need a couple. Oh, yeah, and about six or seven snowmobiles. And the bombardier wrap on the other end of the line was a bit taken back. He's like, Tenny Mountain, are you guys even open? He goes, yeah, we're going to open. Going to open. And uh, you know, an over-exuberant Dan told him, still hoping to figure out how much this order was going to cost. Instead, the rep led Dan through the process of how ski areas normally lease these sort of vehicles. People oh. don't just buy stuff like that, he told them. He offered to get Tenny right? a couple of used cats and see where things went from there. Ah, nice. Yeah. You use cat or lease one. Yeah. Know. Pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. <sighs> you know that the state of New York owns Bel Air, Gore, and Whiteface? Do they? I just looked up on NSAA.org. They have a whole section on who owns which mountain resorts. Wasn't Gore and Whiteface kind of connected or? Not even close. Not even close. Gore is by, is closer to Lake George. All right. Whiteface is Lake Placid. So they're a couple hours apart. They're both owned by Cuomo? They're both owned by (laughs) Whatever that crazy other lady, the new lady is now. (laughs) They're owned by Ass Grabbing Cuomo, as we call him in New York. The new lady, the new governor lady who says that vaccines are a gift from God. God. Oh, gave us this wonderful gift thank jesus thank jesus but yeah so our pal rich from all that price said he went to gore and was super impressed last year so nice it isn't that far from us maybe it's worth checking out we, one of them gore white face i heard it's cold as fuck but that's white face fuck. yeah ice, ice face cold i don't care the cold is beautiful cold is beautiful why do you you want snow right you want snow that's that's not melted you don't want ice just keep it cold keep it cold so we like yeah. So again, we love this movie. We love everything Indie Pass does. Go check it out. In Pursuit of Soul, we will put it in the show notes. And go check out these resorts this winter. Yeah. We will. Get your Indie Pass. Get it. And soon to be coming Indie World Pass. <laughs> Doug, Allegedly, perhaps. Doug, if you're listening, we got to talk. I'm going to send st- you an email. I still want the Indie Pass belt. I still think that has to be a thing. That was, <laughs> if you didn't check our interview... Belt. With Ski Rex Media on his <laughs> site about the person who has the most Indie Pass usage for the year should for the next season get an unlimited Indie Pass championship belt with RFID that you can scan in. That's right. You have to have the belt or you can't get in. It's a got to be the belt. It's probably belt. the best idea ever. Yeah. So. Like a big old, that's got to be a big one too. There nice. you go. Well, that's going to wrap up the episode this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Untapped at skibumpodcast. Thank you so much for our sponsor, Paradise Skis. Go visit them, paradiseskis.com. Use the code skibum15 for 15% off. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluid. See ya.